Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the System.io podcast with me, Natasha Pinto. Today, our guest is Gabriella Rosen. She's an entrepreneur, trailblazer, and the founder of Energizing Habits. Welcome, Gabby. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. We're very excited to have you here. But before I start getting into the details and picking your brain about all of your really incredible skills, I'd like you to take me through your history. So where did you think you were going to be with your career straight out of college? Where did you think you were going and what put you on the road to where you are today? Yeah. So in college, I thought I was going to be a lobbyist. I thought I was going to be in politics and I was a poli-sci major, really liked it, but I joined all of these clubs. Luckily, I'm the youngest of four, so my siblings said, go to college and join clubs. Of course, I was already going to college, but joining clubs was a big tip that they gave me. So in these clubs, I just saw that everybody who was debating each other was a lot more passionate about politics than I was. So I knew it probably wasn't the path for me, and so I added on a, a second major as well. But when I was a sophomore in school, Spotify had was pretty new at that time in the U.S. And a friend of mine was like, oh, well, have you heard of Spotify? Like, I have some friends there. You should talk to them. And I said, uh, kind of like I, I've heard about it a few times, but don't really know what it's about. But sure, I'll, I'll talk to your friends. So ended up being like, wow, this is seems like a cool, cool company. And the person who I did my info meeting with ended up being my interviewer which was very lucky. And I started my internship at Spotify in school. So that first day I was in the Spotify office. I was like, I never want to leave. This place is amazing. I can't believe that this is real life. And so I promised myself I'd be the first in the office and the last to leave. So I take a 4.30 train from Westchester, be in the office by seven and be the last to leave. Um, so I said, I wanted to just work my way up the ladder. I'm like, I want to be a seller, whatever that is. That's what I want to do. And just do that. It seems like a great role. So I did that. I went from intern to the youngest seller globally at Spotify. And along that way, this is really how it shifted into my own company. I had these very ambitious goals, but I also have a chemical imbalance. And so it causes my energy to be naturally depleted. So I started forming energizing habits as a way to reach my goals, but feel energized at the end of my days, instead of leaving, feeling drained, depleted, like everything was taken out of me. And so it not only caught on for me, but it caught on for others as well. And I started giving these workshops and that is eventually what led me to my company, Energizing Habits. So it's, it's shifted a lot over time. Yeah. And it's amazing how you've taken something that would have been seen as maybe like a weakness or something that you had to battle with and actually turned it into your greatest strength and the thing that you do for a living. And it's easy to be passionate about something that directly affects you. So I think that's really inspiring. Exactly. Practicing, not preaching. I always say <laughs> you got to practice it in order to give it to others. Absolutely. Now, one of the questions that I do like to ask our guests is to kind of get a ballpark figure of how they were doing in their kind of first career, how they how your internship was going versus what it's like in online business. Because I think a lot of people get a little bit disheartened. They start in online business and they think, wow, my first month I've put everything in this and I made $10. I don't know if this is worth continuing with. So can you give us a bit of a comparison there? Yeah, of course. So 
when I was an intern, I was, I was doing pretty well as an intern, but Spotify definitely took care of me. When I started working full-time, of course, I was the least experienced, so I wasn't making a ton of money. And I, I definitely had to make sure that my dollars were stretching far. But as I climbed the ladder and I got these promotions, really in the last year and a half, two years of my career, my salary almost quadrupled. So the great thing about that is I was used to living on a certain amount of income. So then when I was making so much more, I was really smart with it. I was able to put a lot aside. I was able to invest a lot, which really gave me the ability and the stability to create my own company. And over that period, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot of frustrating points of being like, wow, people are getting paid so much more than me, but I've been here for so much longer. They're making like double what I'm making, but I'm doing triple the work. So there was a portion, I would say a good six months where I was really adamant about pulling the numbers, proving why I deserve to get paid more. And then once it started flowing, it just started flowing. So that was great. And then going from that, so doing really well, not touching over half of my income to going full entrepreneur mode. It definitely was a bit of a challenge. I actually quadrupled what I was making business in the first quarter. Going back, I had to go back to not making so much. But yeah, the first quarter of this year, I was able to 4X my income just in that single quarter. Wow, that's incredible. And I think maybe because you have had that experience of having to stretch your dollar, having to like pull things to make ends meet and work a little bit harder, you've already got the experience of like, you know what it, it's like to live like that. And so that maybe that shift into entrepreneurship was a bit easier for you. Yeah. And I mean, um, just to give more context too, into how I make money and the two parts of my business. So part of it is I do sell into companies. So I energize companies, employees, I've identified these six weakest points of the day where we implement energizing habits to really help them power through and, and stay productive and, and feel good. And so that part of my business really didn't pick up until this year. Then it started picking up in Q1, which is really my cash flow. Prior, when I had left Spotify, I had my personal growth club, which I still run and have today, where I really wanted to be surrounded by growth-minded people on my growth journey. So I was on a happy hour with six of my girlfriends, and I just left feeling completely sick and tired of having surface-level conversations about the latest handbags or the Kardashians. <laughs> And I wanted to really have conversations with people who I would want to get a drink with. They were cool, but we would also help each other grow. And so that's the other part of my business, this personal growth club. And I had grown it to a point where I was able to leave Spotify. But in terms of cash flow, I would say corporate definitely helps in that aspect. Yeah, definitely. And I, I want to talk to you a little bit more about that growth club that you founded and that you work with. So I want to talk to you about online communities and what the biggest benefit you've gotten out of building that one has been. Yeah. So there are a ton of benefits. I would say the first, and I think it's hard to pick between, okay, is it the growth aspect, how much you've actually grown, or is it really the community? And this is a question I often ask people who join is like, would you prefer growth or community? Of course you'll get both, but which would you actually prefer? And so when I think about the biggest benefit, I think about the community and the people that I've actually been able to form relationships with, where it's like 
these are not only clients of mine, they're not only in the personal growth club, but at the end of the day, they're some of my closest friends and I can go to them for advice that I know is going to be pretty um, healthy (laughs) and I can also hang out with them. So I would say the biggest benefit of building it is honestly the people I've gotten a chance to build and form relationships with. That's fantastic. And then can you talk to me a little bit more about how you grow an online community like that? Because those benefits are, as you said, there's a whole lot more, but obviously that community aspect's a huge one. And I think it makes such a difference to the people within your community that not only do they get what they need from you, but they also form a really special relationship with you and a bond. And I've seen that with our online community as well, our founder properly replies and responds and interacts with all of our members on our Facebook group. And it blows them away every time. And he interacts with everyone that I work with and I have one-on-one conversations with him often. And he's quite funny and he sends memes every now and again. Um, So how do you go about growing something like that? Yeah. So really it was all word of mouth in the beginning. So I was basically telling people about this idea I had. That was how the first group started. Like I have this great, I have this, what I think is a great idea, but I want to formulate it further and really do research. Cause it's so easy now to be like, I have an idea. I'm going to start tomorrow and do everything and get all these people to join when an online community is really hard to get people to pay you to join an online community. Like that is hard. So often people reach out, they think they'll do five emails, six emails, and like, they'll get all these people to just join their community. And they come back to me a couple months later and they're like, yeah, it didn't work at all. Didn't get a single person. And that's because people, I believe, want to feel like they're a part of building the community. And then of course you have to have, what is the uniqueness of this? What are they going to get out of it? But the first, first community I started, it took a couple months Um, Because I was just asking people for feedback. I have this idea. Can you give me feedback? What are the topics you would like to see? What are the guest speakers you would like to have? Who do you want to be in this community with? And so when I was asking for advice, a couple of people raised their hand and said, hey, if you start this, I want to be a founding member. So that's how my first one started, really all advice. My second one started because of word of mouth. So really just referrals and then more people finding out. And I still find to this day, it spreads by word of mouth. So I meet somebody and they say, what do you do? And I explain the personal growth club and they say like, that's what I need or that's how I feel. And they end up joining or they have a friend and they've seen the results from it. And then they want to join as well. I think that's an incredible way to go about growing something and making those properly human connections, especially when we've gone through something like COVID-19, which put into stark relief the fact that connection is so important and we crave human connection. And then also finding a way and through referrals, which means that you're getting the best kind of referral. It's someone who knows more about it, knows it's successful and is interested in what you want. It's a great way to go about doing it. One of my other questions I have for you about this is how do you go about avoiding burnout? Because I find that if you're a content creator, especially for something like this, where you've got a community who needs more and more from you over and over again for you to keep up that value proposition you've given them, how do you avoid giving them so much all at once and then burning out and being unable to keep up with it? Yeah. So essentially if you're a content creator or you have an online community, you're just always putting out more and more and more. So you feel like it's never enough. And then eventually you burn out. Yeah. 
Yeah. I find that happens a lot when you don't have a clear outcome or idea of what you really want to give to somebody. So it's like, we're just trying to give so much content because we think that's what we have to do. Like four posts a day, five posts a day, but it's like, what is the objective? And then if you don't have that clear objective, you end up confusing your community because you're just giving them too much. And they're all kind of tying back to different themes. So I would say one is just stopping, stopping and (laughs) saying, and I say this all the time in my workshop. So they have this really amazing study, or it's not even a study. It's literally what they do where for change, if the market drops over a thousand points, they have everybody on the trading floor, just stop for 15 minutes and then they can trade again. And so it's the same thing when we're feeling burnt out or we're giving too much. We feel like we have too much, just taking a pause for 15 minutes, for 20 minutes and saying like, okay, I'm just going to stop. I'm going to pause. And then I'm going to think of what is the actual outcome I want to drive home. And once I figure out that I can find ways to energize during it, but at least I'm focused and I'm not overwhelmed. I think that's excellent advice and something you can apply to anything that you're doing that requires you to keep creating something. And you don't want to burn out because you want to keep creating content that is interesting, engaging, something you're passionate about, something that links to your audience that gets them to feel something. So yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about energizing habits themselves. What is an energizing habit? Yeah. So an energizing habit is a habit that gives you energy. And a lot of them are under five minutes long, most of them under 60 seconds long. And you can do them from really any place. They quickly and sustainably fill your energy cup. So even I'll give one example. Um, A lot of times I see that employees, when they get overwhelmed or when they go and they give a presentation or when they're deciding between two decisions and they can't figure out which is the right one to pick, they cave in. So they go into this fight or flight where you naturally are closing off your chest. Of course, if you're acting in that space, you're just gonna keep creating that type of momentum. So even just having employees stop, (laughs) hold their arms out for 60, um, not 60 seconds, 30 seconds, all it takes, you just hold your arms out for 30 seconds. And some of the top presenters in the world do this before giving a speech is they'll just hold their arms out for 30 seconds You can put on an upbeat song. And then something else I like to do after that is hearts. (laughs) So you hold your arms out for 30 seconds and then you can just do 10 hearts. And the reason why I like to do hearts is if you've ever wondered why your heart in your chest doesn't look like a spiritual heart or a a heart that you draw on a piece of paper, it's because this is a spiritual heart and chemically it actually changes your body. So it's backed by, by science and it gives you this euphoric feeling. And so that's a quick energizing habit, less than 60 seconds that you can do sitting in your chair while you're typing emails. So something that really quickly and sustainably can fill your energy. And I think that's a fantastic thing. And it can be applied to people who are not necessarily in the workspace. Um, I come from a teaching background. And I think even children in an overwhelmed moment in a classroom, something like spreading their arms kind of forces whatever panic they're going through to calm down. And I think these are great techniques and simple things that people can use throughout the day. Exactly. Yeah. And I actually give energizing habit workshops to, I work with the preschool as well. And so things I work with their staff, but the cool thing is I teach them all of these exercises that they can do to quickly get their energy up and they can do it with their, with their kids 
because it's fun for the little kids and they like to do it and they don't think it's silly. So yeah, that's a really good point with teaching. Yeah, definitely. Now you write and use these six moments in a day when it's your your weakest point, your lowest points, where you feel like the energy cup is empty. I want to ask you, what is the point in your day where you feel your lowest? Because I think some people will probably be better in the mornings and are actually fine after lunch, but other people might struggle in these particular moments. Yeah. So the things that are hard for, I'll, I'll name two main points, but um, I would say two to 3 PM slump is big for me where I definitely feel like all my energy just got taken away. And so that's a really important moment for me to actually take that break, take that 15 minute break and just make some lemon water. So pour up a glass of warm water, get resituated, do my little energizing habits and then get back into work. And I find that when I force myself to take that break, I'm so much more productive for the rest of the day. Where if I force myself through it, like I'm just going to keep responding to emails, feeling drained, then it kind of is just like this lag, this linger. I'm going in slow-mo for the rest of the day. So that's my biggest point is that two to 3 p.m. slump. And then another point for me is if I don't have back to back to back, I have a little bit of a gap, even post-meeting, I kind of am like, oh, what should I do? And so one of my energizing habits is simply just taking out a piece of paper and saying like, what is the one thing I can do right now to tie a knot on that meeting and move the next, move my momentum forward for the next one. So those are the two biggest points for me. And I definitely look out for them and implement these energizing habits as often as I can. I think those are two fantastic ones that everyone can really relate to. I also have that two to 3 p.m. slump where sort of feels like I've been running for the whole morning and I kind of think, whew, I need a, a moment to breathe. I need to take a break from the screen, do something else for 15 minutes and then I can come back and I'll be more energized and more capable. Now, I want to ask you a bit more about how these six weakest points have changed or been impacted by COVID-19. So there's been a, a huge shift into people working from home. And I know personally, I found and lots of other people are in the same boat as me as it's difficult to be productive in an environment that doesn't feel strictly like work. So how have you find these have changed and do you change the energizing habits based on it or do they apply universally? Can they be done anywhere? Yeah. So that's a really great question. I've actually never heard it asked before, but it definitely makes a huge impact in these six weakest points. So something with COVID, and I'm sure most people can relate to this, is since you're out of the office, it actually really blurs the line between your mornings, your evenings, when you wrap up, even your lunchtime, because it's kind of just like one full day. And so something I've heard from leaders is like, we want people to come back to the office because we want to give them stronger boundaries on their days. Like we don't want them to just email all night long. So energizing habits definitely help specifically in the start of the day and then giving employees a chance to wrap up at the end of the day. And so I give specific energizing habits around those two points. And I would say these are universal points. Of course, for some employees, they feel it more in specific points than others. Like it might be wrapping up the days, the absolute hardest point, but you also feel the two to three and sometimes lunch isn't that great for you. But mornings, you're good. You're good to go. So it will differ per employee, but most employees can benefit from energizing habits throughout, if not all. And um, 
yeah, they evolve. So I give many examples of energizing habits for each point of the day, but I also give employees the space and time to really personalize them. So people are walking out with things that work for them, no matter their work environment or who they are. That's a fantastic way to kind of personalize your offering to everybody that's experiencing it. And yeah, we do all have a, a unique experience of what's going on. And I think the fact that it can be shifted and changed and tweaked to exactly what will work for them is really clever. Um, now, what you do is you make you help your members make lifestyle changes through your process and you go through a process of groundwork, connection and commitment. So what happens at each point in this process and which do you think is the most important yeah wow that's a really good question again most important I'm like oh, all of them are so important yeah so groundwork is very important just to understand like where are you starting out because we all have different starting points and sometimes I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this it's as you go on your growth journey you start knowing how to do more and more things and it becomes second nature for you. So when you're explaining it to somebody else, if they don't know anything, they're at a completely different point than you. It's just not going to translate and you guys aren't going to be able to really make much um, progress moving forward. And so groundwork is really just getting a baseline understanding where's this person starting out and where do they actually want to go. The connection component is making sure that they feel comfortable in the group. So they're opening up, they feel like they have a voice, they feel like they can give advice or get advice. So that connection component is huge because of course it amplifies the amount that you really want to achieve your goal because you have these cheerleaders on your side and you also have that accountability. And then that last part is really just making sure that you're doing this consistently and you're gaining momentum throughout and you're continuously conquering your goals because so often when we have an outcome or a habit and we achieve it, then we just stay in the stagnant place. But really when you've um, mastered habits or whatever it may be, goal setting, you should always be reevaluating your habits, reevaluating re your goals so you can take them to the next level, take away ones that you no longer need, and then add new ones that you may not know that will actually have a big and strong impact in your life. So that's why the three stages are so important. Yeah, and it's definitely that constant evaluation and self-awareness that kind of keeps you going through those stages. It's not a, you go point A, B, C, and you're done. It's A, B, C, back to A, B, C, and you just keep going through that process to keep improving, which is fantastic. Um, and, yeah, and now my, my last big question for you is, what does the future of this look like for you? Do you have a long-term goal? Is there like a, a big number that you're after, you want to run a workshop of a hundred people or reach a thousand people and change their lives. What's next? Yeah. So I get asked this question a lot and people always say like, Oh, what's the five-year goal for your company. And I have been definitely in the camp of like setting massive goals and then you're putting all your energy, all your effort into accomplishing your goals where now I really like to parse them down 
So it's like, what is the part of my business that I really want to take to the next level and focus on and make sure it's gaining a lot of momentum. So it's just repeatable and I can kind of take a step back and it's running for me. So I like to actually focus on short-term goals and I'm in, knock on wood, a good place with the <laughs> corporate partners I'm working with. And I feel like I got that to a really good spot and it will continue to grow. And so now I'm more focused on automating my personal growth club and making sure it's just easier for people to join, follow along and connect. So that's that's the part that I'm focused on right now. Okay, fantastic. And how are you going about using automation to do that? Because what you've got on offer is something that's quite a like personalized and intimate kind of conversation and continuous process. So how will you automate it to make it simpler both for you and for your customers? Yeah. So when I say automated too, a lot of it is the behind the scenes work. So something that goes along with personal growth club, of course, is social media. So just making sure that one, the messaging is right. And once I get that messaging down, then I can hire experts to handle each individual social platform. And so really looping people in, talking to them. And then eventually once they've got it down pat, they can just run with it. And so that's one form of automation. Another form of automation with my personal growth club is I used to lead every single session and now I actually bring in thought leaders in different areas. So wellness, spirituality, finance, and business. And we've had great guests come in. So we have these campfire conversations. And so another way of automating is always having those people lined up, you know, who's coming in for the next six months and you're good to go. And then lastly, the social energizing sessions, making sure that they follow a specific format. So you're not reinventing the wheel while also giving people clarity so they know what to expect. And most importantly, they're getting a result at the end of every session. So those are a few different ways that I think of automating and just making things repeatable, efficient, and able to gain that momentum that it needs to survive and thrive. Yeah, and it's important to keep that like personal touch that you've got. And I think it's impressive how you're combining automation to get the behind the scenes work done and get the other things running so that you can focus on what's most important. Um, I have one more big question for you, though, because I think it is something that is undervalued and it's financial education. Um, having been a teacher and then also grown up just in general, I think it's incredibly lacking and it's really really interesting that you include that as well into your program as part of a lifestyle I think people don't consider finance anything to do with their lifestyle other than something to bankroll it so what got you so stuck on including it yeah so when I started when I got promoted at Spotify and then all of a sudden my income greatly increased I had no awareness like I knew nothing about finance and somebody approached me at Spotify and they were coming in from a very big company in finance. I won't say the company, I won't shout them out, but it was like a seller because a lot of these big financial institutions, they just have these really cool people who are good sellers and they basically get you into the program. They're your financial advisor, but they're selling you things with a motive behind it. So I know if I sell you insurance, I'm going to get a bigger cut than if I do what's actually right for you. And so I decided I, I really liked this guy. I was going to hire him, but I knew nothing about finances. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start reading. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, read about finances. My brother recommended I read Tony Robbins book. 
And he had this checklist in it of the questions you should ask your financial advisor. And if they fail any of the questions, immediately fire them. So I asked my financial advisor the questions and he failed two of them. And I liked him so much that I was like, kind of putting off firing him. And I was like, no, this is like so opposite my personality. I got to do it. This is my money at stake. And I ended up firing him and I lost a couple thousand dollars. It wasn't anything major. It was a great learning experience because save that money that I would have spent on a course. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of research. Now I work with, um, I don't think I'm allowed to say financial institutions name, but I work with a great company who I, I feel like my money's safe but I had to learn those lessons the hard way. And I was like, I want to make sure I'm bringing in quality people who really know what they're doing in the industry so that especially young professionals can make smart decisions so that they don't have to worry about their money later on. And they have a system too, that's just automated and works for them that they can count on. And at the end of the day, sleep well at night because they made a great decision. Yeah, definitely. I think that's so important and not nearly valued or out there enough as it is. Now, a few short questions for you. Um, my first one is looking back at your 18 year old self, is there a piece of advice that you would give yourself to change how things have come? Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> that would be, I would say, keep working hard and you don't know what you don't know. So be open minded be open to hearing other perspectives and use everything as an opportunity to grow and learn. Okay, fantastic advice, especially for anyone else who's quite young out there and looking to start. Um, and then my final small question for you is where can our listeners find you? If you say your tags, then I will put you in our description and comments. Awesome. Yeah. On Instagram or any social channel, it's energizing habits. So super easy. You just type in energizing habits, even the website, you can find the website at energizinghabits.com. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Gabriella, um, for joining me and for giving me your time. And thanks to our listeners today. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. If you're listening to this on a podcasting app, subscribe to the System podcast so that you never miss an episode. System.io is a digital marketing software platform packed with all the tools you need to grow your online business.